Ready or not, here I come. Hi, welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts made by care experienced children and young people in the UK. We are travelling across the UK talking to care leavers, experts and activists in the field of childcare who are fighting for better services, rights, equality and understanding. Hi, we've come down from Glasgow to Durham today to speak to Stuart Hayden, co-director of Investing in Children. Let us welcome our guest Stuart Hayden, co-director of Investing in Children. Hi, good to meet you. And you. Stuart, can you tell us a little bit about Investing in Children before we start? Yeah, Invest in Children is a rights-based organisation uh, based in the northeast of England, uh, but we have a national spread and we also have contracts in uh, Norway and uh, a contract with uh, Tuzla in um, um, Ireland. Um, it's basically where they champion the rights of a child um, and they give the, they give the, they, they give the um, young people a, a voice and allow their voice to be heard. The one thing uh, our strapline is, is we don't consult with young people, we enter into dialogue that affects change. Sure, you spent most of your childhood living in various foster and care homes all over the country. Can you give us a quick rundown of that? Yeah, uh, I was born in Birmingham in 1970. Uh, I was put in my first home at the age of three. Uh, father was working away and mum had um, uh, various issues. Um, and then I was in and out of care uh, between... Um, Birmingham also had family in Northern Ireland so I got sent over to Northern Ireland like a kinship order uh, that didn't work out because there was eight and nine of us living in a two bedroomed uh, property so I then back to Birmingham in and out of foster care um, and eventually uh, moved up to the, 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 the northeast of England when my father took me out of care um, didn't really work out with his uh, uh, then wife um, so my sister and myself ended up going back into the care system <laughs> Um, and I've been in the northeast of England since then, really, 1978, 79. Um, and I, st I remained in care uh, till I was 16 year old. Sure, that's a lot of placements. Do you think it's the same for children and young people in care in the UK today? Yeah, certainly. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the the average mean is is uh, in, in a children's home is uh, young people on their sixth uh, sixth placement with family breakdowns. So, yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's it's still a pattern, unfortunately. Uh, so you had a lot of placements. Uh, why why do you think this was? I think it was just the wrong placements, uh, and some people might might say that I, um, I, I wasn't necessarily the nicest child. Possibly not, um, but yeah, it was just a lot, lot of breakdowns and uh, wrong placements, I guess. Do you think the blame for placement breakdown is is placed upon the children instead of the acceptance that the placement wasn't suitable for the child? I think certainly back in those days, in the 70s and 80s, it would have been down to to to, to the uh, um, it would have been the, the child's fault. Uh, a lot of blame put on the child and they wouldn't necessarily looked at it was the wrong placement or the wrong place in the first instance. Stuart, you left care when you were 16 to begin a family with your girlfriend. Tell us about when you found out you were going to be, going to be a teenage dad. How did you feel? Well, I'm not sure I chose to leave care at the age of 16 to start a family. I think it just happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I was quite shocked, obviously. I'd always intended to join the army. I uh, always wanted to get away and escape, escape where, where I was based. 
um, at that moment in time and then I found out uh, I was going to have um, a family and uh, the one thing I was never going to do was uh, let my children go the same way that, that uh, um, I went. So um, it was uh, quite a, a tense time. Um, but yeah, it, um, my, my twins were born uh, um, three months premature. They were born at uh, 26 weeks. Um, and they spent the first six months of their lives in hospital um, on incubators and oxygen machines. And it was a, a very scary and frightening time, but we've come through it. So you had twins. Can you tell us about your journey into teenage uh, parenthood? Yeah, same again. I was just saying it was very, very scary. Um, the one thing I was adamant about was my kids would not be going into care. I was still under care order at that time and uh, the social workers tried to um, uh, include my children under that. Uh, and I, I went to court legally and fought them and uh, my, my kids stayed out of the care system. Um, they're, they're now 31 year old and I'm a, I'm a granddad of, of, of two um, and they've never been involved in the care system all of their life. You joined the army at 18. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, I always wanted to do it. Uh, I was uh, uh, in the cadets. I always wanted to go and travel the world, see the world. Um, I, I guess it was a romantic notion of uh, uh, fighting for queen and country. Um, didn't see a great lot of action until uh, uh, the Gulf War in uh, 1991. Uh, but loved it, loved every minute of it. Did your four years in the army help you? Oh yeah, immensely, immensely. It yeah, makes you realise that um, there's more to life than... Um, just knocking about the back streets and uh, getting to getting tempted by various things uh, there's actually a big wide world out there and um, it's not normal uh, to be uh, uh, in care necessarily so being brought up in an institution do you think the army is similar to that yes no that's not the reason why i necessarily want to join i was always an army cadet I enjoyed the outboard bound activities, I enjoyed rock climbing, mountain climbing, and I enjoyed all things army, as most little boys did, guns, it was, it was good. Uh, but when I was in the army, the camaraderie and the institutionalisation, the routine, the regiment, knowing what you're doing, what you're eating at, what time, where you're going, um, yeah, it was good because it's an easy routine to follow. It's what you, most people in care have, have generally had. Therefore, the transition into army from a, from a care leaver is generally quite easier in my experience. After leaving the army, can you tell us about your career path since then? Yeah, I went back to Germany, set up my own business as a, as a, as a contractor, building contractor, uh, employed 35, 40 men, had a real good time until uh, the legislation changed. I come back to the UK in 1995, um, where I took a job working in, uh, uh, um, as a truck driver, but also then worked in recruitment. And I just found uh, working in recruitment had a, a, a natural... Um, uh, liking towards it, I was very good at it, uh, speaking to people, speaking to clients, speaking to drivers and I've become uh, quite successful or very successful um, working for an organisation that I ended up uh, being a director, UK operations director, employing 2000 staff and uh, office in London working um, with 200 branches UK wide. Can you tell us about your career path and your life now? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, I stopped working for that organisation in 2002 and in 2003 I set up uh, my own business um, in transport and recruitment and now I employ 200 staff on a daily basis and deliver loads all over the UK and Europe. Um, I'm married, uh, have uh, two further children, two, two younger children, uh, Tom aged 12 and Maya aged 10, uh, live, in, live in Durham uh, and I've been happily married for 20 years now. 
There are very poor statistics that surround care leavers. What do you think was different about you? Uh, I don't necessarily think I'm anything different. It's just um, I, I think the army made, made a difference and saw that there's more than one, one side to every, every coin. Um, but but I think I was just tenacious and although I might not have been given the opportunities, I just took the opportunities. Was there a turning point for you or a moment in time somewhere on your journey? Yeah, the army was a key turning point for me. Um, and then also the, the real proper turning point was when I, went my, I met my wife, uh, Karen, in 1991. Uh, makes you realise that um, you, you can be happy, you can have a stable family. And my previous 21 years experience wasn't necessarily a true reflection of how normal society, in inverted commas, uh, works. Was there anybody who stood out for you uh, that you can say helped you and inspired you? It sounds corny, but just my wife Karen, really. Uh, yeah, apart from that, no, no, no particular individual. There was a number of individuals uh, throughout my time, but no particular individual, no. Uh, tell us about your work with Invest in Children right now. Ah, well, I joined it, Invest in Children uh, about 18 months ago. Um, they were uh, advertising for a co-director, um, and they wanted somebody uh, uh, to come in with a fresh pair of eyes. So I contacted them and said, um, I'm a local businessman, um, quite successful, I know how to market a business, I know how to run uh, streamlined systems, procedures, introduce n new, 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 new standardised pr uh, processes, and I think I could um, um, help investing in children out. They were a bit taken aback because normally they were um, looking for somebody from inside the local authorities or somebody with a care, and back care background. My care experience was a lived experience, not necessarily a trained experience. Why do you think the voice of the child is so important? Nobody listens to the children, do they? Uh, to, uh, it's okay me at the age of 48 telling a young person what I think they should be doing, uh, but they're, they're relevant, they're, they're, their voice matters, their voice matters probably more than our voice does because they know what they want now and what's relevant to them now. And uh, young people, do actually speak a lot of sense because uh, adults don't always know best. Stuart, did you feel loved by the care system? No, no. I felt um, uh, I felt I was a commodity. I felt uh, if uh, somebody was paid enough money, then I would be looked after. Um, and if that money wasn't paid, then I wouldn't be looked after. So I wasn't taken away necessarily on holidays. There was instances in some of my placements where uh, the whole family went away on holiday and I couldn't go because there wasn't enough finances for that. Uh, there were, I remember the very last one, there was a family wedding, and I've been living with this family for three years. There was a family wedding and I needed a suit to go to the wedding and because I couldn't afford a wedding uh, a suit, I couldn't go to the wedding, so you get missed out on opportunities like that. As where if there was the genuine love and care there, it wouldn't be about financial or you're not really part of the family, it would just be a matter of course. Mm -hmm. That's where I hope the difference in our in our children's home will be. We will insist on that, and we will still look after our young people uh, till the age of uh, uh, up to 25 or whatever they need, need, need it. If you had a magic wand that could change one thing for children and young people living in care now, what would it be? They'd be uh, supported up till the age of 25 and more. Um, I left care at the age of 16 and uh, I was left to stand alone financially at that point in time. Young people now uh, at the age of 18 are expected to do it. There is more support services around them, 
but our philosophy in our children's home is what would mum and dad do and mum and dad wouldn't stop helping you from an emotional or a financial perspective at the age of 18, 19 or 20. They'd be given all the support they could through to when they needed and whether that's the age of 26, 27, 28, mum and dad would still be there for them as in we would still be there for them at that age. Have you got anything else to say to the listeners before you go? No, just thank you very much for uh, coming up to, or coming down today to interview us. It's been a pleasure and uh, good luck. Sure, we wish you the best of luck with your businesses and investing in children. Thank you for talking to us from everybody at Five Rivers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Five Rivers Curtilism podcast. This podcast has been produced by the members of the Democratic Group, representing the views of people from Five Rivers Child Care Limited. Music by Rookflow, track, hide and seek, courtesy of Rookflow. Flow.